Before we begin, let us all take a moment to pay homage to the most magnificent one, the fully awakened one, the emancipated one, the unvanquished, the undefeated. He who is perfect among all humans, devas, brahmas, the epitome of perfection, he is our master, our teacher, and our guide on our path to liberation. And as we bring our hands together in veneration of his great name, let us also not forget that this is us renewing our pledge, our oath to ourselves, a promise to ourselves to fulfill our purpose, to walk the path, and to free ourselves of all suffering. That is why we have come here, that is why we are here, and that is what we will achieve from today. So let us now take a moment to do so. Namo tassa bhagavato arhato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arhato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arhato do you know what silence sounds like? The sound of silence? Some people make it their life's quest to try and find an answer to that question. The sound of silence. So if I said to you, have you heard silence? And then you respond, sorry, what's that? I say the sound of silence. We heard it. We heard silence. And then if you said, no, actually, I've never heard silence. Oh, well, you should. And then if you decide to pack up, pick all your things up, travel the world, go places, go see your friends, do a myriad of things, a million and one things, looking for the sound of silence, what does that say about you? <laughs> what that says is, you haven't the foggiest idea what silence is. Can you spot something that is very similar to that? In other words, AKA, happiness. People all over the world, people who are not here, I don't mean necessarily physically, 
if they are not in tune with the Buddha's teaching. They go around the world. Sometimes when the, traveling the world is not enough, they'll go extraterrestrial. They'll go into outer space. They'll sweep the universe looking for what? The sound of silence. <laughs> so funny. You know, silence belongs even to the deaf man. That's all he has. It belongs to the mute. It belongs to the blind man. Silence belongs to the disabled one. It belongs to the rich man just as much as it belongs to the poor man. It belongs to the tall and it belongs to the short, the thin and the stout, the fair and the dark. It belongs to man and beast alike. Because silence is everywhere, isn't it? What do you have to do to achieve silence? The answer is quite simply, nothing. <laughs> you don't have to do anything to experience silence. But just imagine, if someone thought that silence was something that they had to achieve, by doing stuff, going places, talking to people, engaging in laborious work, various endeavors, traveling the world, going to a restaurant, or going to the theater, going to a gig. That is the CD they have to buy from the music joint. They bring it home and they play it looking for, you heard the sound of music, yes, but the sound of silence. If there's one thing that you all have, just as you are, what is it? It is the sound of silence. Looking for nirvana, looking for happiness, is like looking for the sound of silence. It has always been there with you. It is there with you right now. But if you don't understand what Nibbana is, and if you don't understand what silence is, you will go looking for it. The sound of a sitar, that you have to go find someone who has or knows how to play a sitar. The sound of a flute, you're gonna have to go and find someone who has and knows how to play the flute. The sound of a drum, the same. But the sound of silence? Do you have to go anywhere? No, it's with you. This is an analogy to happiness. Where do you have to go looking for happiness? Where should you be for happiness? What should you do for happiness? The question itself is flawed. 
Who should you be with? What should you, what should you be doing? For happiness? The answer is quite simply nothing. Then why are you here? Why did you leave home and come here? Because you're still doing something for happiness, that's why. You're beginning to realize that for happiness, all you got to do is nothing. You're beginning to realize that, but you can't stop yourself from trying to do something for happiness. So you know you want to stop doing it, but you can't stop it. You can't help it. Just like when you see that beautiful flower in your flower bed, you feel that lure, don't you? When you open the fridge and there's something nice in there, or you open the cupboard and there's some murukku, you feel its tug on you, don't you? When you see that pretty girl as you walk down the street, or that handsome young man as you walk down the street, you feel that tug. It's like, it's now like a tug of war. It tugs at you and you tug back. How do you find, how do you teach someone to find something that's always been with them? Imagine me wearing my glasses on my head and then walking around the house asking people, have you seen my glasses? Haven't it ever happened to you? Hmm? The semi-blind people in the room can answer this question for me because you know, we are in the same club. Imagine that. Or having your slippers on your feet and walking around on your slippers all the while. But asking around, looking under the sofa, where are my slippers? Or when you stick that pen conveniently, you know, between your head and your ear, or your pencil, and then you ask someone, you see my pen? How do you teach someone to find something that's always with them? And that has always been with them? How would you? What do you think? How would you teach someone to find something that has always been with them? What would be your instruction to them? Ah, you've been here last week. <laughs> Wouldn't the simple instruction be, stop looking for it? The simplest instruction, would it not be, stop looking for it? Now, you all want to be happy? Yeah? Why have you come here? Because you want to be rich or what? Hmm? You want to be beautiful? Pretty? Sorry, can't help you with that. You want to be young and keep your youth, stop yourself from aging? Is that what you want or is it what you want? Happiness. That's what you all want. I have a very simple answer. Stop looking for it. Can you do that? Can you stop looking for happiness? I'm asking you, can you? Yeah? Will you do that from today? From now on, will you promise me that you'll stop looking for happiness? Hmm? Because if you do, then our job here is done. I can wrap up and I can go back to my kuti. You can go back home. 
and we can call it a day. So why don't you stop looking for happiness? I'm asking you, come on, stop looking for happiness. Do you need further evidence that you're still looking for happiness? Just forget the time you're here. Think for a moment the things you did last week. You might have spent time with your children, perhaps. Hmm? Playing with them, holding their hand, taking them to the park, maybe, or inviting them round for a meal. You saw them smile, that made you smile, right? And you can't wait until they gift you some grandchildren. Perhaps there are grandparents and to-be grandparents in the house. You look forward to that day. Maybe it's your friends. You like their companionship. You got a party coming up anytime soon? Well, New Year's is around the corner. So that's a good time. That's a good excuse to celebrate, isn't it? This is not in any way a, you know, a sarcasm. I'm simply asking you to think about the things that you do to be happy. When in fact, it's such an irony because the only thing you need to be doing, the only thing you need to do for happiness is to stop trying to be happy. Because you are. It's that one thing. I mean, this is how happiness is so different from everything else. This is how Nibbana is so different from everything else. You know, if you were to split every phenomenon, every concept in this universe into two, you'd have Nibbana on one side and everything else on the other. Everything else. If you were to split happiness and all other phenomenon into two, you'd have happiness on one side and everything else on the other, quite literally. You'd have going to the restaurant, on which side? Homogeneous with happiness or heterogeneous with happiness? What do you think? It's the one thing you ought not to be doing. <laughs> going to the restaurant is what takes your happiness away from you. What about going to a party? What about going on a trip? What about making something nice for the weekend? Are the weekends here? So what plans have you got for this weekend? Rhetoric question. Just see if you can come up with some answers for yourself. What plans have you got for this weekend? Where are you going? You got your weekend planned out? Yeah, where are you going? What are you doing? I'll tell you what you're doing. You're doing things that fades away your happiness. That's what you're doing. That takes away your happiness. That is what you're doing. So all those things that you have planned out, think about last weekend, think about the last trip you went on, think about the last time you went out with friends. 
if you went to the pub, if you went uh, for a drink, if you went with friends, you know, wherever, if you went on a trip somewhere, if you went maybe to another country, sightseeing, perhaps, if you went to the countryside, if you went to the park for a walk, I don't mean, you know, for physical exercise, if you did it for something more than that, the moment you decided to step foot outside was the moment you surrendered your happiness to the universe. And you said, enough of this happiness nonsense. I want to make myself some suffering. That's what you did. Does this make sense? Because it goes against everything you've held true all your life. What did we learn as young children that we ought to do to be happy? Stuff, right? We've got to do stuff. So we learned how to do stuff. We learned how to cook, we learned how to make friends, we learned how to write letters, we learned how to go on Facebook, we learned how to comment and share and like and do all that stuff. We learned how to sing, we learned how to dance. We learned how to drive, we learned how to ride. We learned how to play, games, sport, all sorts. When I see a young child, maybe teenagers, right, stuck, with, stuck behind a phone or a computer game, I can't stop myself from thinking, why have these child's, this child's parents not taught the child how to be happy? What they've taught him is how to destroy his happiness. Happiness is not something you can go buy from the supermarket, but that's not what we people do. They think happiness is stocked in the supermarket, down the aisles. What is the price of a bottle of happiness? Tell me. <laughs> or do they sell it by the kilo? Is it buy one, get two free? But it sounds like it, doesn't it? When you go to the supermarket, there's a freezer. You walk with your child, it's right next to the vegetable diet. You know why? <laughs> That's the only way you can get a child to go with you there. <laughs> it's all mastery planned out. <laughs> Laying out the aisles of a, of a supermarket is a philosophy. It's not just any random act. They've got it all planned out. Next time you go to the supermarket, have a look for yourself. Right next to the greens, the groceries, you'll have something that the children will like. That's the only way you can get them to walk with you right up to that aisle, because otherwise they don't want that, you want that. Mr. Mastercraft. But we've got nothing against them. All we have is a problem, a bone to pick with ignorance. That is why you're here. I'm chipping away at your ignorance, every word, every syllable, hoping that it'll work someday, maybe today. One of these Nibbana days, it's going to work for you. On the point of which, next week, we don't have this sermon. Good news, you can do shopping also on Saturdays. Huh? Whatever you have come to confine to Sundays, you can also do it next week on Saturday. So that's the good news. But I've got even better news. You still have to come to the monastery.
have an ordination ceremony. People just like you, who went looking for happiness, finally realized what was wrong about what they did. So they stopped looking for happiness. Remember the story with Angulimala? Hmm? When he was wielding that sword, running after the Buddha. What did he shout out to the Buddha? What? No. That's what the book says. You think he was so polite? Stop, please stop. You know, I said, Oi! You stop right there. I'm here for your finger. So then, what did the Buddha say? See, the Buddha knew what Angulimala was after. He wasn't after a finger. Do you think he was after a finger? No, he wasn't after a finger. What was he after? The very thing that you're after. <laughs> and of course. He was after what every man, woman and child, every beast that has ever set foot on this earth is and was after. He was after happiness. And what was the Buddha's response? Anglimala, I've stopped. You stop. So what is the Buddha saying? I've stopped looking for happiness. So why don't you? <laughs> now today you see the profoundness in that. It was not simply halt. Oh, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. That's, that's not, no, he's not a traffic warden. <laughs> there was a deep and profound message in what he had to say. Now, Angli Mala was a clever man. He knew he wasn't there for the finger. He had a bigger purpose in life. So he understood what the Buddha said, at least enough to ask another question. Sir, what do you mean? How can you stop and be happy? Shouldn't you be doing things to be happy? Like what I'm doing right now? This is Angulimala's follow-up question. Hmm? Shouldn't you be going around wielding swords? Poking at people? Pricking and prodding them? Shouldn't they, isn't that what you should be doing to be happy? Shouldn't be running after people? Story of my life? Huh? No? <laughs> when you were younger, teenage, what did you do? Ran after people? Boys ran after the girls, girls ran after the boys. Nowadays it really doesn't matter. Everyone runs after every other. <laughs> There's no divide. That's good. Hmm? Equality and all that, good. The poor ran after the rich, and the rich ran after the poor to get their work done. Shouldn't you be running after? Because isn't happiness always one step ahead? Aren't we that metaphorical donkey stuck behind that metaphorical carrot that is happiness? This is what Angulimala had heard from his teachers. This is the training that he'd received from his previous teachers, all but the last one as in the one to be, very soon. So the Buddha 
in his infinite compassion said what? What he has taught me to teach you. Stop. Stop. <laughs> don't, don't go looking for happiness. Don't go running after it. Stop the pursuit of it. Because that's like looking for the sound of silence. Silence is always there with you. You don't have to do anything for silence. In fact, anything and everything you do, even if your heart beats, what does that do to silence? It takes it away from you. See, one beat of your heart is all that is needed to take silence away from you. Have you ever plugged your ears and tried to listen to the sound of your beating heart? Hmm? As it goes lubbed up, Am I speaking cryptic today? Is this all making sense to all of you, ladies and gentlemen? My dear ladies and gentlemen? Honestly, you know, I can't tell you how much I care about you. Because I'm a student of a teacher whose compassion knows no bounds. As you know, sometimes you come and say, Oh, Swaminanda, your sermon was such a magnificent talk. How compassionate you are. Sometimes people come up to me and say, And then I say, I'm a work of art. If you think this work of art is so good, can you imagine how good the artist must be? You'll hear from him, from 2 p.m. onwards. Anyhow, you know, whatever you do, folks, running after happiness, my ask of you is simply stop. Just stop. I mean, take my word for it. At least, you know, as you try to shuffle yourself, you know, just try to make sense of all this, just stop. All those things that you've been doing up until now, in the name of happiness, you know, this is the irony of it. In the name of happiness, you did everything that took it away from you. It's quite pathetic, really. It's quite sad. It's a sorry tale. Think about how we've spent our lives, madam, sir. Do you do, Buddha? Think about how you spent your lives. You know, when did this start? This notion of you have to do something to be happy. Just think about when you started. You know, how did your, how did your hair go grey? What made your hair go grey? All those things that you did. What aged you? All those things that you did. What withered you? All those things that you did. What has made you frail and weak today? All those things that you did and what has exhausted you? Some people are so exhausted, too exhausted. I mean, my parents included. They're too exhausted, too exhausted from all the things that they've been doing in the name of happiness that today, when I try and teach them what happiness is, 
they're too exhausted to stay awake. I love them dearly. But love in a very different way to how I used to love them. Just as much as I love you. I love my parents. And your parents. And every man and every woman and every child. Because they're all after one thing. One thing, that one thing that has always been with them. I need you to open your eyes, folks. Please, do it for your sake, not for mine. These sermons are nothing for my sake. None at all. You're not here for me. You're not here to please me. Your presence here doesn't make me proud or feel, give me a sense of achievement. If it did, then I'm the first one who should take a bit of my own medicine. <laughs> if your presence here makes me happy, then there is something, there's a hook on which I have hung my coat of happiness. Haven't I? Then I'm still looking for the sound of silence. See, if you get this message right, you won't have to come here again. I mean, who does business like that? <laughs> That's the only business in the world, in the Buddha Sasana, right? Where they expect you not to return. That's the only business in the entire universe where one would say, thank you for coming. Please, don't come back. Unless you have to. You have come back because you had to. That's not something to celebrate. I'm sorry you had to come back. You know, in the next Buddha Sasana, the Maitri Buddha, hmm? if you hang around to see him, what do you think the Gautam Buddha would say? Hmm? What a shame. You hung around? to meet my successor? What do you think the Maitri Buddha would say? You hung around even after my predecessor came along? That's what they would both say. So neither of them would be pleased or happy to see you. See, a Buddha is never happy to see you. Can you feel me? Try and read between the lines. If there's anyone in this world who's not happy to see you, there is a Buddha. You say, hello. Right? You meet the Buddha walking up the street. Buddha. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you, still here? <laughs> the one man who's not happy to see his reflection in the mirror is a Buddha. You know what? You know why? Because he pities himself. Once he becomes a Buddha, he's not happy about the fact that he hung around that long. <laughs> While he's a bodhisattva, maybe so. Because he feels that one day I have to become the Buddha and save all sentient beings. But the day he becomes a Buddha, he realizes it was his mistake. So his, if there's one man who's not happy to see you, and when he sees you, he says, pity. I'd say that's be the Buddha. Why is he not happy to see you? 
because there was a previous Buddha Sasana. What the heck did you do then? <laughs> now the same message was taught. The same truths were proclaimed. What did you do then? Someone came before me and explained and proclaimed the truths. What did you do then? Because he's not happy about the fact that you're still here suffering. So he tries to do something for you so that you don't stick around for the next one. Yes or no? That's what he does. He tries to do something so that you don't stick around for the next one. Which means he's not happy to see you in the first place. Because you're going to bump into someone just like him only in a few yawns time. Maybe a couple of million. So whatever you do today, ladies and gentlemen, in the name of happiness, please take a moment to ask yourselves, is that really worth doing? Am I doing the right things? Because you don't need to do anything for the name of happiness. You know, if you, as I said, just run the last week through your mind. Right? Let those images run through, you know, like you're doing a real playback, the highlights of a cricket match. Run the last week in your head. Just think about all the things you did over the course of the last week. See if you can spot the things that you did in the name of happiness. If you thought, you know what, we should make something different today. Same stuff, right? rice and curry every day. Now, let's have some... Anything special last week? Hmm? Shh. <laughs> oh, was it a pudding? Hmm? Maybe a pie? Whatever you did. Honest, answer me honestly. Did you not do it because you thought that was going to make you happy? Let's be frank. Yeah, you did it because you thought it was going to make you happy. In vain. Because you were happy before you did that. Now let me explain to you why I say so. Because there may be some in the audience to whom this is like, what is he talking about? I, uh, what is Swami Nasi talking about? I think he's just saying all these things because he doesn't get pudding anymore. <laughs> we don't come here for the lodgings. You should see where we sleep. It's safe. Very safe. Thanks to you. Reasonably comfortable. Thanks to you. But we don't have four poster beds. We don't have air-conditioned cooties. This is all for you, not for us. Because what you see here, and I hope you do so, is a mind and body. The body needs very specific four things for happiness. And the mind needs nothing for happiness. But what do people do? They give the body the four things, yes. And everything else to the mind. The body needs food. Hmm? Anyone in disagreement? 
can skip lunch. Hmm? That is why even an arahant will go on an arms round. Okay? So the body needs food. But that's all the body needs. Food. I mean, I don't mean not the other three requisites, but that's what the body needs. What is food by definition? Look it up in the dictionary when you get home. Food is not chicken biryani. It is not lamb korma. It's not shish kebab. Yes, absolutely. It's energy to function and energy to repair when broken. And energy to defend because your body has a defense mechanism. The body has the ability to recuperate when broken. The body has a system to regulate stuff, to, to try and stop it from breaking. Prevention is better than cure. That is inbuilt. That is nature by itself. Prevention better than cure. So for that, the body needs energy. And the body needs to grow. Because it needs to fit into the mold that is your karmic body. That is why no matter how much you eat, you don't grow taller than the maximum height that you can grow. You can't keep feeding yourself to grow as tall as a giraffe, right? It doesn't work like that. You can't feed yourself and one day you wake up in the morning and you have wings, now you can start flying. It doesn't work like that. Because actually what you're doing is you're growing yourself into the mold. This you cannot see. This is your karmic body. Defined by the karma that you have done. That is why if you are blind by birth, there is nothing on this planet that you can do to give them sight. Because their karmic body is blind. Result of a karma done previously. Give blindness and you get blindness. That is how it works. Give deafness and you get what? Deafness. What you give, you get. That's fair enough, isn't it? Or is it? Ask the Buddha. He'll say, oh, it's fair, but I think we can do something about that. He hacks the system. He's the best hacker I know. Right hacker he is. The hackering one. Or the hacking one. Not hackering, the hacking one. He hacks the system. You know, he's a cheat. He is. I'm sure you're all right with that because I'm a monk saying it. <laughs> Imagine someone not in a robe coming and saying, Buddha is a cheat. You'll get stoned. <laughs> the Buddha is a cheat. How so? He does all these karmas in his previous lives, not knowing the truth. In the name of happiness, he does things. In the pursuit of happiness, just like you're doing right now, in the pursuit of happiness, he tries to take happiness from the world. He tries to take it. And usually when you try and do that, you take it from somebody else. Just think about it for a second. 
if what you want is already with you now when you try to take it from somebody else you're taking something from someone something that they need because it's already with them now you're trying to take it from them this is theft but the thing is once you throw once you chuck a stone up in the air a rock up in the air eventually it has to come down and it comes back down on you that is how what you do you get but he hacks the system what does he do before it has the opportunity to come back down he teaches you to vanish and when you're not there now there's no there's nowhere for that phone just for that stone to fall that's why he's a good hacker and he's a cheat he cheats the system what's the movie that neo is in yes thank you where did that come from a good old anagarika mahatmyas if anyone has watched the matrix now neo tells a story about how he hacks the architect has built the system that man clad in white remember our young anagarika was as nodding no i don't remember i don't remember some answer <laughs> of course you don't and how neo goes and hacks the system well thought out i think there's a story there which has some resemblance i won't say it's everything but has some resemblance <clears throat> that's not me saying now go watch the matrix this weekend by the way listen to this that will be enough <clears throat> that's what the buddha does he hacks the system see you've all done deeds for which you will have to bear the consequences think about all those times you have to labor right think of all those times you have to break a sweat and toil none of that is because of merits you've done and even if it's merits that come your way for as long as ignorance and attachment prevail in your mind you know you are a you are a suffering generator that's what you are it doesn't have to be demerit that comes your way for suffering to happen what is jati after all it is a source of suffering isn't it so now is it demerit or merit that causes you to suffer the answer is neither that is why attachment is what causes suffering not demerit but nigantanathaputta will have you know that If you've done demerits then you have to pay the price pay the price for all your demeritorious deeds and then you shall be free not so i'm afraid not if you take the buddha's teaching not so by virtue of that you know those in the deva worlds those in the brahma worlds you know they have temporarily you know they're in this they're in a hiatus mode for suffering for demerits for that period of time no demerits come at least not a lot very sparse so they enjoy the fruits of what they have sown and that is merits but still they're all suffering 
Because suffering is not in the beating that you got when you were a kid. But that is what people will fight for. You know, human rights, hmm? child rights. Don't beat your kid because the child suffers. Ah, all right. And then you sit him in front of the TV. Does he not suffer now? See, when you beat the kid, you make him suffer. When you sit in front of the, the TV, you teach him how to suffer. Did you catch that? I'll say that again, because I love the sound of that. When you beat a kid, you make him suffer. When you get him to sit in front of the TV, you teach him how to suffer. Because he watches that TV and he feeds his mind with all that rubbish. Every word uttered makes him believe that this world is pleasurable. Sights, sounds, smells, tastes are to die for, he believes. Now they slowly seep down his ears, through his brain and into his mind. It captures him. Entrances him. It enchants him. Him, her, replace as you see fit. And then he's captivated. See, it's so easy to get a child to think that something's good, but to get him to get out of that mindset, you've got to make him an arahat. How's that for size? To get a child to think that something's good, all you have to say is, Puta, try this, it's lovely. That's all you need. But to now to get, forget, to get him to give up on that idea, you've got to make him an arahant. How many Sunday school lessons is that? You've got to make him an arahant now. Because once the mind accepts something as being pleasurable, joyful and essenceful, Nitya, Sukha and Atta. In other words, something that, that is separable. Something that is full of joy. Something that is full of pleasure. Now, for him to give up on that, he needs to meet the Buddha. This is no easy thing, folks. Because you see, every man and his dog can teach a child that this world is Nitya, Sukha, Atta, right? Hmm? Look, at, look, at, look at the, the ratios of how corrupt everything is. Any Tom, Dick and Harry can teach someone that this world is pleasurable, joyful and essenceful. But you need a Buddha to teach him that it's not. In a way that he is convinced. Meaning, there's ample opportunity for things to go wrong, but just one opportunity for a child to fix himself. By a child, I mean a mind. Look, this is what happened to you, all of us. Why, after all those journeys, are you back here? You know, it's like you've gone full circle. You started here long, long, long time ago. Don't ask me when, but long time ago, you started here. And then you went out. You stepped out of nature. You are nature, but you stepped out. Then you went on to become successful people. You went and educated yourselves. Went and made yourselves a living. Fed yourselves. Enjoyed, had fun. 
made friends, traveled the world in 80 days, did everything in that book. And now you've all come back. I often refer to this because, you know, this is solid evidence, is it not, ladies and gentlemen? Just have a look around the room. Right? You see people all sorts, all walks of life. Hmm? There are doctors in the house, engineers in the house, teachers, lawyers, students, mothers and fathers and grandparents and children. Hmm? Rich people, poor people, fat people, thin people, tall people, short people, pretty people, ugly people. I'm talking about myself. You're all pretty, just me. And they're all here. They're all here because none of those things did it. None of those things did it for you. See, that's why you spend Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, oh no, I forgot Sunday. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then you come here Saturday. It's like you soil it all the other six days and then now you come here to wash it on a Saturday. Some of you decide to stay because you don't want to soil it again. Some of you want to, but can't. So we always get together scratching our heads, coming up with plans. How can we help you stay? What else can we do to help you stay? You know, I look at you and I see minds. I don't see a gentleman here. I don't see a young lady here. I don't see this lady here. I see a mind. I see a mind that has to carry the burden of a body. Hmm? Some of you may be hungry right now. Some of you may need the loo. Some of you may be sleepy. Some of you may be awake. Some of you may, be, may have a backache. Some of you might have a headache. But your, your mind is now having to endure all that. And I don't want you to have to do that. Think about all the things you're going to have to do this week. Hmm? Today you're going to go home and the new week's going to start. Tomorrow maybe you've got to go and do the shopping right, for the week ahead. I think about it. Just go, just go through your shopping list for a second, ladies and gentlemen. I, I mean, doesn't that exhaust you enough? Just the shopping list. You've got to get your bread, you've got to get your butter, you've got to get your milk, you've got to get your rice, you've got to get your curd, you've got to get your vegetables, you've got to get your fruit, you've got to pay the bills, you've got to go do that, you've got to go do this, you've got to get the car serviced, uh, you've got to pay the tuition fees, you've got to pay the school van, you've got to pay the light bills, you've got to pay the electric bills. You don't have to. And I don't want you to. Because you're a mind that's come here to be happy. Why do you put yourself through this? All because you feel that you are a man, you feel you're a woman, you feel you're a citizen. You feel you're a teacher, you feel you're a student, you feel you're a husband, you're a wife. I'm not attacking duties, responsibilities, because now if you put them onto your, into your bag, now you've got you to deal with it. Put that to the side. But all this because it happened once, if we can stop it from happening again, then you are free. Look at these poor children. Not poor, literally poor. I mean poor, idiomatically poor. 
Look at what they have to do now. They have to go through school. You went through school. What good, what good did it do for you? You're here. What good did it do for you? You're here. Do a look around. Very educated people there. You'll have doctors in the room, professors in the room, engineers. Look, they're all here. Now go teach yourself. What good did you do for yourself by going to school? Now I know you're asking me, uh -huh, don't go to school? That's against the law. Well, yes. What is law made for? For peace. So people can live in coexistence. People can exist. But we are not in the business of existence. <clears throat> yes, you've got to learn how to tie your shoelaces. You've got to learn how to feed yourself. Four requisites, that's all you need. Sunit and Sopaka did that all right. Then you'll ask me, well, how do you build this hall sum, you know, so people can come and do their meditation and they can listen to the sermons? How do you, how do you build this, you know, instruments, this electrical in instruments? In, you know, how does, how does, how does, how would the world function if people all stop taking an education? I get this all the time. And here's the short answer. You're not the only one. Right? The world doesn't revolve around you. So you stopping doesn't mean the whole world is going to stop and fall apart. My mother comes, comes back to me all the time with this. I tell her, you know, what's the point of educating children? Look, you know, my education hasn't helped me really. What I'm doing today is what has made me happy. And, the, you know, by the feet of my teacher is where I find my happiness. I remind her. Then she asks me, what if everyone did that? Then where would be the doctors? Hmm? Where, would, where would the engineers be? Where would the teachers be? Where would the lawyers be? I'm saying, why do you need lawyers? <laughs> why do you need the teachers? Why do you need the engineers? Why do you need the scientists? It is to help you exist comfortably. But what if you could deal with existence altogether? So, you know, there are people who've committed and dedicated their lives to doing that. So let them do it. Do you have to be that person? Now, that one might think, isn't that selfish? Us saving ourselves and then someone else having to pull the weight? No, don't think of it that way. You got it wrong. So would you rather than they did it and you'd go and did the other way? Now you'll say, oh, no, 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 I'd like to free myself. Someone's got to do it for somebody else. And then when it's their turn, someone will do it for them. That's the way it works. The bull pulls the cart. And the passengers travel in it. One day, the bull, for the merit of having pulled the cart, will be traveling in one. And another bull will be pulling it. And then when that day comes, that bull will again switch into the cart and another bull will be pulling it. That's the way it works. You don't have to be the person doing what you're doing right now because all this you're doing for others. What is the only thing you can do for yourself? Find the sound of silence. Or rather stop looking for the sound of silence. I said, again, I say this, I, I really, really, really do feel for you. I mean, don't get me wrong, but look at yourselves. Can you see this face? Look at yourselves. Look at what you've done to yourselves. 
Go home mentally. Stand outside your house. <clears throat> Look at that house. How many of your years did you sacrifice to build that? How many years of your life? How many youthful years? Time that was given to you as a gift for the merits that you had done. Time to spend as human beings to understand, realize the Dhamma. Look at where you spent it. Building a house. How many stories is it? How many baths have you got? How many attached toilets and bathrooms have you got? How many kitchens do you have? Do you have a swimming pool as well? That's what you spent your youthful years doing. So you can say, I've got a swimming pool at home. I've got a badminton court at home. I've got a gymnasium at home. I mean, good, right? I'm happy for you. Great, you've got a gymnasium at home. <laughs> you need a gymnasium at home. <laughs> Read that another way, and now you understand what I'm saying. I've got a gymnasium at home. I hear you need a gymnasium at home. You tell me, I've got a kitchen at home. It's got a lovely pantry. We just did it up, all refurbed. The best of the best, mahogany, imported. I say, yeah, 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 but you need a kitchen at home. <laughs> oh, you need a kitchen at home. <laughs> Folks, you need a kitchen at home. Remember, there was a time where you didn't even need to eat. Today, you have a kitchen at home. You need to eat so much, you have a kitchen at home. And you have a double free freezer, don't you? The ones that open either side. The display, panel display outside, you press the button, it gives you the cool water. Nice. Folks, you need cool water. Don't come telling me, I have a fridge at home, so I'm going to press the button, I get cool water. I say, you need cool water? Look at what you've done for yourselves. Look at what you've done to yourselves. You need cool water. What does that tell you about yourself? You're suffering. Means you're suffering from the heat. I'm trying to tell you, you can be out of it. You can stop that. You can free yourself. But this is the thing. People are looking for the sound of silence. Having that fridge at home is a big thing for people. Because that's what they say on TV. You can even get it on an installment plan. See? How convenient. And pay nothing up front. Take it home and pay it in 10 years. You know where the next 10 years of your life are going to be spent? Huh? Under that fridge. That's where. If everything you got for credit was put on top of your head, now you'll understand what I mean. Because that is what it was. That car that you got on credit, you think you are driving in it. Huh? You're, not, you're not driving it, it's driving you. 
It's driving you. It's driving you what? Driving you mad. Remember the wife you got? No, no, no. Wife got you. <laughs> Nothing against the ladies. Ladies, remember the husbands you got? Oh, no, no, no. Husband got you. That's what happened. Did you not sweep your happiness under his feet? The carefree life that you had? The freedom to do whatever you wanted you had? I don't mean like a frivolous life. I mean, you know, the freedom. Freedom. That is what you sacrificed. Happiness is what you sacrificed. Back in the day, you could smile at anyone. Today, you can't do that. Today, your smile is restricted, forbidden. Not for others, only for me. <laughs> Back then, you could smile at anyone. You could hold anyone's hand, but today, you can't do that. He chop your little finger off. They do it in some countries. They cover you up so that no one can see you. I mean, please, take a moment. Look at what you've done to yourselves. You know, we speak volumes about what people do to the oceans. Right? Pollution. Yeah? We talk about what the factories in China do to the air. Hmm? Climate and global warming and all that. We talk about what people do to wildlife. And the forests. Deforestation and so on. And we care a lot about that. About what people do to our world. This mother nature. Gaia, our world, our earth, Mother Earth. Look at what people do to her. My question is, look at what you do to yourself. See, the problem is more, is closer to home. In fact, you'll all be engaged in some kind of employment profession, right? And what is, what is entailed with that profession is to deal with some problem out in the world, isn't it? There are people who are, who are less educated than they ought to be, so you teach them. Now you're called a teacher. There are people out there who are ill, and they need to be better, so you fix them, and you're called a doctor. That there's someone who wants to get from this part of the land to that part of the land, and there's a vast river in the middle of it. So now you have to build a bridge, and now you're called an engineer. Or a construction worker. So you go about your life trying to fix people's problems for them. And they give you a title for that. They, gave you, they give you a nice pay package for that. They give you a car for that. They call you sir for that. So it's very easy to forget what you have come into this world for. You know, what have you done for yourselves is the question I ask you today. What have you really, really, really done for yourselves? Again, you'll come back to me with the question, if they didn't do it, who would Swaminas? If we all came into the sasana, then what would happen? Yes. I mean, let's talk about things that have any probability of happening. 
What is the probability of that happening? Now, if everyone came into the sasana, right? People are going on about Guru Hamru, right? Always talking about young men and young women to come and join the sasana, right? Become monks and anagarikas and, you know, fulfill their destiny. So people always come back and say, what if everyone did that? Then, you know, who would run the country? This place would fall apart. Who's going to run the hospitals? Who's going to run the factories? Who's going to teach in the schools? Why are we talking about it? Then that's like saying, what would happen if dinosaurs came back to the world? What would, we do, what would you do then? Yeah, well, we'll talk about it then. Ask me what would happen if pigs fly. Then I'll tell you what to do if everyone comes into the sasana. What's the probability of that happening? None. Zilch. Nada. Ain't gonna happen. So why are we trying to fix a problem that doesn't exist? Let's fix the problem that does exist. You have, for your, own, for your own merits, had the opportunity to come one step forward when everyone's still looking back. You've not only looked, you've not really looked, started to look in the right direction, but you've taken a step forward. You know, it's not only that you thought, you know what, I, have, I was born a Buddhist, so maybe I should explore what being Buddhist is all about. But that was when you looked the right direction. And then you didn't stop there, you took a step forward. Now you're here. You know, one day I got to talk to a few young people and I asked them, they were just about, they were going to go abroad uh, for their education, some university somewhere. And I said, do what do you want to be? She says, I want to become a doctor. I said, good. Putha, what do you want to be? I want to become an engineer. Excellent. And then I said, you understand everything about you, right? You know what your hobbies are, you know what your wants and needs are, you know what your ambition is, and you want to explore all that. Yes, yes, Swami Nasa, we, we want to do that. I said, what is your religion? I'm a Buddhist. What does that mean? What does that mean that you're a, you're a Buddhist? And that's my religion. Yeah. So what does that mean? Well, it means my parents are Buddhists. That's like your surname, right? <laughs> I mean, why, why? What is it about you that makes you a Buddhist? Because one day she's going to be able to answer, what is it about you that makes you a doctor? In five years' time, she'll have the answer to that. In three years' time, he'll have the answer to, what is it that makes you an engineer? Hmm? In two years' time, you'll have the answer to, what, makes, what is it about you that makes you a teacher? These children will have the answers to those questions. But they'll have answers to some questions which most children in this world will not. Not even children, but adults won't either. What is it about you that makes you a Buddhist? Why call yourself a Buddhist? What is it about you that makes you a Buddhist? They don't know that Buddhism, you're, by my token, everyone's a Buddhist. I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about if if Buddhism is what defines your purpose in life, then everyone's a Buddhist. Every man, woman and child in this world is a Buddhist. A Buddhist is a truth seeker. He, see, he seeks the truth. 
he pursues, he, he, he looks for happiness. He keeps looking until he finds right with him. And then he stops looking. That journey is the Buddhist journey. The destination is a Buddha. We talk about three kinds of Buddhas. But we're all, we all aspire to be Buddhas, don't we? Not Samma, some Buddhas, yes. Not Pachaka Buddhas, maybe. Arahatta Buddhas. In other words, one who has realized that he was happy all along. <laughs> that is an Arahant. <laughs> Do you hear me? You understand what I'm saying? Who is an Arahant? <laughs> One who has understood that he was happy all along. So he stops looking for it. He has stopped looking for it. So who is a non-Arahant? The answer is obvious. One who hasn't realized that he was happy all along. And therefore, he goes looking for happiness. That is who a non-Arahant is. So, are you an Arahant? Question to all of you. Are you an Arahant? No? Hmm. Now you know why. Because you're still looking for happiness. That's why I say, that's why the Buddha said to Angulimala, stop. I've stopped. You stop. So by the authority that he has bestowed upon me as one of his disciples, I share his message with you. Stop. And you shall be happy. Stop looking for happiness. You know, go, lo go looking for food. It's all right. right. Go looking for shelter. That's fine. Go looking for clothes and that's fine as well. And when you're ill, go and get some medicine. If you've got a wound, then get yourself a plaster. If you've broken a leg, right? then go get someone to fix it for you. These are the requisites that you need to sustain this body that you've had to carry. I mean, it's a joke when someone goes and stands in front of the mirror, right, and, and, and dresses themselves up, puts, up all their, puts on their makeup and say, look at me, I'm pretty. I'm saying, you've had to do that. You've had to do that. Think about that. Now, that's not to say stop doing it from today, because you have to. For as long as you live outside these four walls, you have to. Otherwise, they'll take you to a safe place. So you have to. Before you step outside, make sure your hair is done up properly. You've got that eyeliner, you've got that mascara, you've got that lip liner, you've got those lip gloss, right? Whatever they do these days, right? Do all that before you step outside. Otherwise, they'll think you are a different species. What are they called now? Homo sapiens? Have they evolved? <laughs> are they still Homo sapiens? I don't know. We've been in this side of the wall for so many years. Homo sapiens, what? Modernists? <laughs> they must be evolving, right? But, I mean, honestly, the fact, just, just think about it, right? The fact that you have to do all that up to yourself before you step outside means you have to do that so that you are recognized, right? You're accepted. 
They don't accept you until and unless. Young children these days, they grow up, you know, reading those magazines, you know, the fashion magazines and Vogue magazines, not Vogue the name, Vogue as in fashion, right? We don't attack anyone personally, right? These magazines, right? Having, building their image of what beauty looks like. In other words, what they're, what they're learning is what is, what does acceptable look like? Because they all want to fit. Otherwise, they're not going to get a companion. They're not going to have friends. You know, it, it's becoming a pandemic. You know, even in young school, uh, schools these days, young girls, right, ask these children. And you'll find the answer. You know, it's not like when, you know, ladies and gentlemen, when you went to school, things are very different now. You've got you to look, you look, you gotta look the part now. It's not enough to play the part. You've got to look the part. The closer you resemble Barbie, the more acceptable you are and the better prospects you have. Ha! I'm not saying change the world. That's not what I'm talking about. The world will always be like that and it will only get worse. I'm not here to fix the world. I'm here to fix you. I'm here to fix you. Because you have come here. The world hasn't. You have come here asking for my help, asking for the Buddha's help. You've come here sought and sought refuge in the Triple Gem. That is why, as I said, I have been bestowed with this authority to do this to you, for you. Now you've got to look the part. The closer you resemble Barbie, the closer you look to someone that comes out of Baywatch. Young people don't know Baywatch, do they? Hmm? No. The more acceptable you are and the better prospects you have. You know, better looks means better pay. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> better looks means better pay. I've seen people right in front of my eyes, you know, in my days out there in the wilderness. Hmm. Now, these things happen in society, so don't be shocked when I say this. Right? I've seen young women right, in, in, in front of a prospective client or a prospective employer. You know, it's, it's, it's funny how, how easily that top button comes off. <laughs> it's so easy. It just comes off like that. It's like it was always meant to. These are not scathing remarks about them. I'm saying that is what they're having to do today, to fit. I feel for them. That's why I say, who's going to talk on behalf of the prostitutes? Someone has to talk on their behalf. I'm not here to judge them. I'm not here to say what they're doing is bad. I'm here to say, Today, look at what they've had to do. They need help. Like, just like what you're having to do. You have a fridge at home. She sells her body for money. Which one do you think is worse? They're both the same, in my eyes. But you'll say one is harmless. It's not a demeritorious deed. That's not what I'm talking about. Then you've lost, you, you missed the point. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you're all the same in terms of look at what you've had to do, what you're having to do 
Today you feel that you have to get yourself an education because you have no choice. Well, yes, you surrendered your choice when you decided to embrace ignorance, to embrace all those asat purushas and what they had to say. That's when you surrendered your happiness. Who's going to talk on their behalf? Who's going to talk, about, to talk on behalf of the women who are subject to domestic violence and the men who are subject to domestic violence? It's just as much a problem these days, not just the women. Who are going to talk on behalf of the children? Not just the child who's begging on the street. I'm not talking about the orphaned child. I'm talking about the child who's orphaned from his happiness and he's stuck behind his phone. He's orphaned. A child who's stuck behind a computer screen. He's orphaned, ladies and gentlemen. He's orphaned, he's orphaned from his happiness. Who's going to talk on behalf of the orphan child? Are you any less orphaned than that child? If you still seek your happiness from those pleasures, if sights is what you have still sought refuge in, if sign, sound, smell, taste and touch is what you have sought refuge in, then you are orphaned from the Buddha. That is why in this path we go on to become the Buddha, a Buddha's child, Buddha Putra. That is our quest. Just because I've done a robe doesn't mean that I'm a Buddha Putra. That is an attitude. Monkhood is an attitude. I always talk about this. This is a robe and a shaved head. That's all you see here. Monkhood is an attitude. I have embraced my father. I used to be an orphan. But no more. All it takes is for you to change your attitude. But I'm saying, you know, on behalf of those people who are orphans, who's going to talk for them? Who's going to talk about the people who believe that happiness isn't sniffing that white stuff that's on their palm? People who believe that happiness comes in pills. I mean, what's the difference? You think happiness comes in kilos, they think happiness comes in pills. <laughs> so you go to the supermarket, he goes to the drugstore. Well, not to the drugstore, to their store. One guy goes to the play store, the other guy goes to the drugstore. Again, once again, I emphasize this point and I keep on, I'm, I'm, I'm going on about this because I want you to think about, look at what you've done to yourselves. I talk to you out of compassion because I want you to you know, break out of this. Right? Take a stand, stand for yourselves. Stand for yourselves. Stand for your freedom. If you don't, no one else will. No, this is just a lone voice. I can talk to you till the cows come home, but you need to take a stand. You need to say enough is enough. I'm not going to fall victim to all this, all this nonsense that people say about this is what you got to do to be happy, this is what you got to do to be happy and so on. Stop believing what they say on TV. 
is what people say to get the money out of you. Because they think, it's not because they're bad, because they think happiness is elsewhere. So for them to go and get that, you've got to give them your money. So therefore, they give you something that you don't have, you give them something they don't have, now you scratch my back, I scratch yours. It's a deal. Stand for yourselves, folks. I mean, would you ask me then the question, so I mean, if everyone becomes a monk, then who's going to watch TV and pay for the adverts? <laughs> what? Where do people come from? Cuckoo land? Think about it. Stand for yourselves. I have a lot of respect for these young children. They're intelligent enough to look around them and see, you know, that gentleman there, he got it all wrong. This lady here got it all wrong because she's here after all. That man with the gray head, he's still here, so he's got it all wrong. That man who gets out of his Mercedes Benz, he comes with a walking stick. He's got it all wrong. And he's still here. Got a lot of respect because they, they've got that intelligence. But it's never too late. Never too late. Because right now you just, you've got a brand new mind. This is a new chance, a new opportunity. Start now. What matters is not what you've done in the past. That is why I say the Buddha is a cheat. It didn't matter what he'd done in the past. He came up with an exit plan. What matters is what you do now. That is the power of now. What you do now is what matters. Because none of us can change our past, but we are all we can all be masters of our future. And all you've got to do for that is decide what you're going to do now. What you decide to do now is the difference that you'll make in your life. This is not just a motivational speech, and I don't want you to think of it that way. Like I said, you know, I can inspire you, I can motivate you. But discipline and determination, those are ingredients that you have to come here with. Let me share with you a message one of my mentors gave me back when I was just a young man. Trying to piece everything together, trying to understand the world. He said, we must all suffer one of two things. Either the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. We must all suffer one of two things. Either the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Which are you suffering now? Don't answer. Don't say it out loud. Young people in the loom look around and you'll see which one they suffer. Is it the pain of discipline or the pain of regret? This is not an attack on the elderly because I'm talking to all of you. You're all young. You're just born. You're all newborns. See? Knock, knock. Happy birthday. You're all newborns, nascent 
individuals. Start today, now, here, this moment. Make a determination. You know, go back home and make a list of all the things that you do for no reason at all. Absolutely makes no sense, does not add any value to your life. You've just started doing it because someone said so and you've continued doing it because they said it on TV. Because someone's, you know, a friend of yours said, you know, nice thing to do, get this, you got it. Now you're carrying it on your head. Everything that you still have on credit, you know, that's a burden on your shoulders. Doesn't give you, let you sleep at night, does it? Before you got that, you thought of early retirement. Now? Now you have to wait until they put the board, RIP, retirement in pit. <laughs> That's what that says. You finally retired. Not rest in peace, retirement in pit. That is what ultimately they got left for themselves. I hope these words resonate with you. Mm. Ladies, gentlemen, young, middle-aged, elderly, whoever you are, for as long, if you're alive and you can hear my voice, and if this makes sense to you, please do something for yourselves. Free yourself from this. You don't need to suffer like this. You don't need to. You don't need to suffer. I'm not saying come become a monk. Not everyone can do that. I'm saying you don't have to put yourself through this. Don't take everything as gospel. Just because someone said so doesn't mean that's the truth. That TV that you have at home is a black hole. It sucks away the very life of happiness from you. Because on there it gives you all sorts of rubbish and nonsense. I'm not saying TV is bad, not the technology. It's the stuff that play, they play on it. Because they have to appeal to the masses. They have to appeal to the masses. Others, who's going to subscribe? You know, when you go back on YouTube another time, just see how many subscribers these channels have. <laughs> Hardly any. Then they then go on a, uh, on a channel and see, you know, a channel that talks about fashion, food, hmm? food critics. Now, you know, beautification tips. Look at how many subscribers they'll have. Oh, joke of the day. They're talking about you. Haha. <laughs> I'm afraid the joke is on you. Every time you go on that website, every time you sit in front of that TV, right, and you spend time watching that comedy, hmm? every time you sit in front of YouTube and you click on that play button to watch that comedy, remember, the joke is on you. <laughs> Am I too harsh today? What side of the bed did you get up this morning, Swami Hansa? Is that what you're asking? No, my teacher's been looking after me very well. I give you what I get from him. 
He always reminds me, you gotta, you gotta heal these people, they're suffering, right? We get news of how, you know, there are people outside, right? People overseas, people who don't understand our native tongue, right? They get to listen to these talks and, you know, some of them decide, I, I need to make, make a change in my life. That's what I know, this is a real gift, to be able to talk to them, to be able to mend minds and heal hearts. That's what we do, that's our business. We mend minds and we heal hearts. Right? But for that we have to be able to talk to them. They should be able to understand what we have to say. That is why I asked all of you to learn a language, especially the young ones here. Learn one, two, three, four, learn how, as many as you can. But there are people out there, like even monks, would you believe it? And they come back to us and say, we've never heard this before. Nothing special about me. I told you last week, whose feet did you wash? Who did you come and offer this water to? There's nothing special about me. This is the truth. Because it is the truth that sets you free, not me. It is the truth that set me free. Then who do you think is going to set you free? Me? <laughs> if it's the fish that feeds the fisherman, hmm, then who do you think is going to feed the locals? Who do you think is going to feed the householder? The fisherman? It's the fish. The fisherman might help, might help you catch the fish. That's, that's all he does. He can do nothing more. This is the taste of fish. This is the taste of Dhamma. This is the truth. So, please, you know, when, once you get back home, just, just, you know, just take a moment, take a day off, right? Do that for yourself. Now, you take a day off to go to someone's wedding, don't you? Now, you take a day off to go to someone's party. You take a day off to help someone out. Like go talk to a friend, you know, go see someone in the hospital, be with them, spend some time with them. You take time off to do all these things. Time off. Doesn't the, does it not say something, time off? Hmm? Have you lost the plot? <laughs> it's time off, meaning time for yourself. Time off from going and listening to the sounds because it's time to listen to the sound of silence. Time off. Take time off. Off yourself from the world. Take time for yourself. That is what a poya day is for. Time for yourself, time for reflection. Now that's why they say, you know, God created the world and on the seventh day He gave people time to rest. He said, let there be light. Because that is the day for you to switch on your light and switch off yourself from the world. Time for yourself. Help out at home, that's not what I mean. You know, do the chores at home, you know, do whatever you have to do at home. But then do make sure that you have time for yourself. Take a moment, you know, sit, sit to a side, you know, get out that armchair, go and sit out in the garden if you like, right? The garden that you spend so much doing up so that you can come and take some time out. Uh, who's going, been going there ever since? The dog. When did you ever have time to go into the garden? How many acres of land do you have? And on how many have you set foot? 
Think about it. And look at the garden that you have at home. Just go, you mentally go there. You've, you've landscaped the whole thing, haven't you? There's a water feature somewhere. And there's a pond by the, uh, the, by the fountain, right? You've got a bird feed and all that. When was the last time you actually, actually went there, sat down and took a deep breath, at least just to be with nature? You did it the first week when you first made it. You paid, the, you paid the, uh, the contractors and said, thank you very much, lovely thing, right? So the next week you, you called a party, friends came around, uh, you sat around there, did a barbecue, and then that was it. After that, it was, you know, it was there. But you sacrificed a great part of your life doing that. Now what I'm saying is, at least now, you know, take one day off, sit down and just contemplate on what you have done to yourselves. I mean, you, you, you slave yourselves for your children, you slave yourselves for your neighbors, you slave yourself for the people that you work for. You came into this world to be free and look at what you're doing now. No one slaved you, you sacrificed your freedom and in turn you picked up slavery, you opted for slavery. That is why they pay you. Don't, don't come telling me, you know, my job is a well-paid job, it's a very respectable, reputable job. I don't take any of that nonsense. You know what? If your job was so great, the person who hired you wouldn't, do, wouldn't hire you for it, they'd be doing it themselves. The very fact that they've hired you to do that job means, to them, they'd rather be doing something else. Yes or no? So you can't come telling me that this is the best job in the world. Then someone's not going to pay you to do that. They'd be doing it themselves. Your boss hired you to do that job because your boss doesn't like doing it. <laughs> so they'd much rather part with their money than part with their time doing what they got you to do. Isn't that evidence enough? That at least someone in this world doesn't believe that what you're doing is the best job in the world. So, I mean, you know, I know some of you will be very conscientious. You want to commit yourself and dedicate yourself and do a, a good job. And you should. We should all do that. Right? You should all do a good and decent job. What you're paid, because, you know, it is what feeds your family and all that. That's, that's all good and well. But what I'm saying is, you know, do it as a means to an end. Don't make, the, make that the purpose of your life. Don't forget the purpose of your life. You're not here to do, to, be, to, to do an engineer's job. You're not here to do your teacher's job. You're not here to do a doctor's job. You're here to do right by yourself. That's what you're here for. Do right by yourself. So to do right by yourself, make sure you're doing the right things. So I invite you once again, once you head back home, Take a day off, and if you have any days off left, at least when New Year comes along, right, there's this auspicious time, right, the Nonagata Villa, right, where you're not supposed to be doing anything else, and you're supposed to just go to the temple. I mean, if you're not able to come here, then make your home a temple at that moment, for that, time, for that duration. Make your home your temple. And that temple is a, is a, is a moment, is a place where you're, you're, you need to contemplate. Reflect. Do I want to spend the next year, the, the next year as I spent my last? 
Do I want to be doing the same things? Or is there some things I, want, I have to change? Is, it, is, it, is now the time I have to actually make some decisions about my life? I toiled away 60 years of my life for my children. 10 years paying for my mortgage. No, that doesn't pay off in 10 years. 10 years paying for my car. Hmm? 150 years paying for my mortgage. Sound more right? <laughs> Sounds more like it, right? Yeah. Then loans for this, loans for that. How much do you weigh? I don't mean literally. I don't mean literally. How much do you weigh? Get yourselves on that scale. And the scale will crack. Look at the burden on your shoulders, ladies and gentlemen. I feel for you. Some of those choices, it's now too late to change. But what you decide to do today will determine your future. I am not saying you must all now let go and go forth, renunciate. That's not what I'm saying. Although if it's possible for you, then do so. But again, monkhood is not li this lifestyle. Monkhood is an attitude. So even if you can't make that jump, become a monk in your own homes. But that doesn't mean when your wife comes to you, say, I'm a monk, please go away. That's not a monk. That's a monkey. <laughs> Don't be a fool. That's not what I'm saying. Remember what I said last week? Be there. Wherever you are, be there. When you're with your wife, be with your wife. When you're with your children, be with your children. When you're at the workplace, be, with your, be at the workplace. When you're at home, be at home. Don't bring your work home. You still bring your work home. It's not what home is for. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna bring your work home, then be at work. This will go against every principle that modern man has come used to. I know, I know, I know. But hey, modern man has sacrificed his happiness. At the altar of ignorance. His happiness is, has been made a sacrificial lamb. In the name of money, in the name of gold, in the name of wealth, in the name of happiness that has forsaken him. Truth is one, everything else is another. We live in a world of another. So don't fall prey to those people who say, you know, I manage my work life. I've got a really nice work life balance. My wife is very supportive. She helps me to, you know, she's okay with me doing work at home. Yeah, because she's got no choice. You know, once you bend her arm, then she's going to say yes. And besides, you know, when you, when you and, you know, when she and you, you know, you get together, you watch TV. Now you got to, you want everything that they show on TV. Then of course you're going to have to bring your work home. That's what they do. It's the whole, it's called the golden handcuff. Every time they give you a pay rise, they show you an alternative lifestyle. No? Have I come from Mars? Every time they give you a pay rise, they give you an alternative lifestyle. Now you have to associate and be amongst you know, a different caliber of people. 
It's no longer sufficient to drive on a motorbike or ride a motorbike. Now you've got to get a car. Pretty soon, that car is not going to be enough. You've got to get yourself a Jeep, a Pajero. Then just a good old Maruti doesn't work. Next, you need a Mercedes. Then that won't work. After that, you'll need a Ferrari. Then a Bugatti. One of these days, they'll say, you know, people like us, we come to work in a helicopter. <laughs> Who are you, James Bond? To come to work in a helicopter? So I'm talking to all those 007s out there. Wake up. And please do justice by yourselves. This is the court. I serve you justice. I serve you justice. Happiness is, is, just is. It just is. So serve yourself justice. You don't have to do anything for happiness. All those things you are doing is just, you've fallen prey to all, all those lies. I was once there, I've, I've been there, done it and bought the t-shirt, so I know what it's like. I was going to grow old just like some of you. I was going to. But then I opened my eyes to the truth. That is why today I don't listen to what you have to say, but you listen to what I have to say. That is not me saying something bigoted. No. I want to open my heart to you and I want to welcome you. I want you to embrace the truth. Please. Do this for yourself. I'm saying for your sake. Do it for your sake. I was going to grow old like you. I was going to die like you. That was the path that I had charted for myself. Until I realized the truth. Then I realized life was not to become an engineer. Life was not to become a father. Not to one child anyhow, not to two or three, not for to a handful. If you want to become a father, become a father to the whole world. If you want to become a mother, become a mother. Not to one, two or three children, to the whole world. Why when you can do so much great, settle for something so little? Why confine your love and compassion just to one or two sentient beings when you can do it for countless an infinite number of sentient beings because what you give, you get. Give love to one person, he'll try and love you back, if he can, until he feels someone else's love. And then you have ilau. But love every man, child and woman the same. Love every man and beast the same. Love everything in nature the same. And they'll all love you back. Be a child of nature.
Don't be someone's child. Be destiny's child. Be nature's child. Don't be someone's mother. Be a mother to all. Don't just be someone's father. Gentlemen, be a father to all. If you feel your child is special, very different to the other child, the child that you meet on the street, and you feel that your love is, is, is only for that child and nobody else, and if one child's hunger means more to you than another's, something's wrong with you. What's wrong with you is suffering. That is what's wrong with you. That is why you, you might feel your child's hunger, if it hurts you more than another child's hunger, something's wrong with you. You're hungry. That's what you are. If one child's suffering hurts you more than another child's suffering, you are suffering. You get that? If one child's suffering is the same as any other child's suffering, you are not suffering. That is why the Buddha is not suffering. That is why my teacher is not suffering. The lineage of our teachers, this is the path that they showed us, where every man, woman and child is the same. As I said, ultimately all I see here are minds that have had no choice because of lack of understanding of the Dhamma. Now you've had to come here with a body. You've got to sit it down. You've got to carry that weight on those two legs. And when it breaks, you have to feel the pain. When it ages, you have to feel the pain. When something's wrong with it, you have to feel the pain. You feel the mosquito sting. You feel the fever. You feel the cold. You feel the heat. You feel the hunger. You feel the stomachache and the backache. And the headache and the legache. You feel all this. You feel the pain of growing old. You feel the pain of disease and decay. Look <laughs> at what you've done to yourselves. You're doing something to stop it from happening again? Are you? You're telling me it's fun being a woman? <laughs> or is it fun being a man then? Do you know how much your parents had to protect you? You as parents will know today, madam. To keep you free, safe from all the predators. And I don't mean about four-legged predators. I mean about the two-legged ones who behave like the four-legged ones. You are safer with the four than sometimes with the two. Do you think it was easy bringing up a girl in this world? A girl child? Fathers, mothers, speak up. As the Anagarika Mahatmyas. Why they decided that motherhood was not for them, certainly not for one child. Been there, done that. They know what it's like. Because all sorts of things, all sorts of bad things happen. It's not because of anybody else's fault. Why did you come here? 
Hunger is no one's fault. It's yours because you are capable of hunger. That's why you're hungry. Someone who doesn't have a stomach doesn't feel hunger. You know, I, I look at the world from a very different angle. That's why I say, you know, I'm here to speak on behalf of those who have succumbed. to the pain of their own karma, who have had to do that. That's why I say we ha I have to talk on behalf of the prostitutes. I have to talk on behalf of those who have been raped. If ever I get to talk to someone, I tell them, don't point your finger at anybody else. All you're doing now is suffering the pain of what you once gave. I can help you. I can help you to stop it from happening again. What do you want? You want me to sort you out or you want me to sort them out? My job is not to sort anybody else out. I'm here for you. I'll help sort you out. If you know someone who's been raped and who's still struggling with that, bring them here. It's fine. The Anagarika Mahatmas will talk to them. Someone who's tried to commit suicide and just escaped, by sheer luck, bring them, we'll talk to them. When we ask them what's wrong with them, they'll tell us, this man did wrong to me, that man did wrong to me, he took my money and never gave it back. I'll listen to all that and say, are you done? Now shall we start talking? Because all that was just went in one ear, came out the other. Shall we start talking now? What you give is what you get, sir. So why did you give? Serves you right. Learn a lesson now. But you can cheat the system. Because our great father, he cheated the system. The great cheat. You can cheat the system. It is because you're here, when that rock falls, it falls back on your head. Get out of the way. That is what I ask you to do for yourselves. Get out of the way. Because we've all done bad. We've all done evil and vicious things. More times than not. Just go back into your past. All those things that you did but you shouldn't have done. Things that have always only remained secrets with you. Nobody else knows. Who you are when no one's watching. All those secrets that lie dormant, you swept it under the carpet, thought no one knew. But karma is king. He knows it all. He sees it all. You are the creator of your own destiny. <laughs> what you throw up in the air will eventually come back down. So you see, this is the thing, right? <laughs> I really hope you understand what I'm trying to say to you. You can only hide from the deeds you've done until they come to fruition. Because when it does, you lay it bare for everyone to see. Haha, <laughs> gotcha. Do you read me? 
You can only hide from the deeds you've done until it comes to fruition. And when it does, it's there for everyone to see. Steal and don't tell anyone until the burglars come home and break in and take everything you've heard you earned. Now ring the police, ring your neighbors, scream out at the top of your voice and say, I've been burgled, I've been burgled. In my years, ah, <laughs> now it's coming out of the woodwork, isn't it? But you kept it a secret all this while. Because what you give is what you get. That is why we say, you know, doing good, you don't have to, you don't have to put an advert that I'm a good man. You don't have to go and sing songs and praises about your own self. You don't need to blow your own trumpet doing good. No one has to see you doing good. No one has to bear witness that you're a good person. When you give, don't ask for anyone to be able to see it and take a snapshot and put it in the papers. You don't need that. Be good for the sake of goodness. And don't be bad for the sake of yourself. So can you hide from the deeds you've done? Is it a secret? Just for now. <laughs> Only until the chickens come home to roost. And when the chickens come home to roost, then everybody knows. Not even the Buddha could hide to a certain extent. He complains of a backache, he complains of a headache. Look at those six years he had to starve himself. What was the first thing he'd said after becoming a Buddha? Monks, don't try this at home. <laughs> right? That's the first thing he said, don't try this. What I did for six long years, utter useless. Don't try it. But there was no one to teach him not to do that. In fact, the teachers that he had at the time encouraged him to do it. See how terrible the karma he must have done? to endure all that pain. I mean, we see a Bodhisattva, wow, he's such a great man. Look at all that energy, all that effort, all that vigor and valor that he, he mustered. Yes, 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 agreed. It was simply an opportunity for him to practice. Yes, but you can't tell me that the reason he was hungry was because of good merits he'd done in the past. Ultimately, he had to sustain himself on one grain of rice. And then after that, only what fell into his arms bowl. Sometimes bird droppings. You can't tell me that's because of merits he'd done. Was it? No, no. As, as much as he is the Bodhisattva and the to be Buddha, that's not because of merits he'd done. Ask him. He answered the question. Six long years I had to suffer because of a demeritorious deed I'd done. So no one's immune from it. No matter where you go and hide, in the sky or in a cave, under the seas, in the oceans, 
when it's time for your actions to reap its results, there's no way you can hide. That is why, no matter what you do, ladies and gentlemen, you know, it doesn't matter who's watching, who's not watching. Right? One day, everyone will find out. Everyone. Because you'll be screaming at the top of your voice, save me, he's coming after me. Save me from this man. Oh, everyone's taken everything that belonged to me. Someone's murdered my child. Who's done this injustice to me? The answer is, Don't you like it that it's like that? I mean, would you rather that someone else was responsible for what happens to you? Would you? Don't you like it that you are responsible for your own actions? Yeah, that's the way it ought to be. Because that is the only reason you can free yourself. That is the only reason you can free yourself. If someone else had, that, had the decision, had the reins to, you know, what happens to you, I'm not in favor of that deal. That's a foul deal. But there were people back then, you know, philosophers of the time, you know, Buddha's contemporaries, who thought that, you know, they had these notions as well. Other people bring us suffering. You know, people who wage battle, war, what do they think? It's the other people, the other army that bring us suffering. So we should, we should kill them all. Kill them all and we'll be happy. Kill them all and you'll die. That's what happens. So, in summary, stand up for yourselves. Do justice for yourselves. It is with a deep sense of love and affection towards all of you I speak. I speak because I know what freedom tastes like. I'm walking that path and I know that with every passing day, I'm moving closer and closer to the taste of pure freedom. You are so capable of it because you are the master of your destiny. You are its architect. No one else is responsible and no one else is capable of shaping your future. It is not your wife, nor your husband, nor your children, nor your parents, nor your friends, nor your teachers who can do this for you. It's each man for himself. So stand up for yourself. Do as much good as you can for others, because in service to others, you serve yourself. Abstain from every unmeritorious deed, because it might be a secret while you're doing it, but not for very long. When it comes to fruition, everyone finds out. So even in the name of your dignity, hmm, don't hide it from anyone, because it's pointless. Someone will find out someday, then it's no longer a secret. Come clean. That is not to say put it in the paper. Come clean, meaning you come clean. Clean yourself, cleanse yourself. But stand up for yourself. Go back home and take some time out. Right? Time, time. 
Take some time out. Make a list of the things that you have to do and the things you do because you think, because you want to do. There will be things you have to do to sustain this body because it's a package. You've come as a package, you've got no choice now. So feed it, clothe it, mend it when it's broken and shelter it. Right? Do these things. But every other thing you have to do, and I don't mean duties and responsibilities, fulfill all of them to the nth degree. Right? But everything else, if you're doing it for yourself, if you're doing it for your mental pleasure, do understand that it is simply an utter waste of time. Every time you do it, you're going like this. Huh? What's that sound? I'm looking for the sound of silence. The more you try and listen to it, the less you will hear it. Because silence is with you all along. And with that note, ah, I have one more message to give, don't I? We have the ordination ceremony next week, as I reminded you just a moment ago. And for the first time, we are going to attempt to stream it live, especially for our international audiences. So they've never had the chance to watch an ordination ceremony at our monastery. So we are going to try and do that for the first time. There are very specific reasons why we, don't, why we stream some events and why we don't stream other events. But we are going to try and do whatever we can to stream this event. Not technical reasons, reasons beyond that. For instance, you know, we don't want to attract undue attention, not towards ourselves, but towards the young gentleman who is going forth. Sansaric transactions are always looking for an opportunity to collect their debts. We don't advertise that these are the young men who are now going, willing to, are going to ordain because when that happens, right, every, everyone finds out and then their friends, long lost friends from a million years ago, they come looking for them. <gasps> you ordained? Why? Long lost girlfriends, long lost boyfriends, long lost this man, that man, the other man, debtors, not debtors, but you know, sansaric debtors. They come collecting debts, you know, but they're, they're, you know, they're, they're nascent monks, you know, just newborns. So we want to give them every protection possible in the shelter of the Mahasangha until they're steady to stand up on their own two feet. You know, these are babies. If I'm still a baby, aren't they? <laughs> Only for five or six long years I've been in this robe. I'm still a baby. So what about them? That's why, you know, that is one of the main reasons we don't stream those events live. But we feel that on this occasion we are able to do so. And actually I've been wanting to give our online listener, viewers an opportunity to, to be part of the monastery, to, to see what, they, what, they have, what we have to offer here. So, but to do that, you're going to have to register. There's a link when this sermon goes online. There'll be a link in the description. So please register yourselves and you will receive a link to watch the live stream closer to the following Saturday. So that's next week. And we, okay, without, without, I doesn't, you don't need me to say this, but I will nonetheless. You know, you're part of the family. Who invites family? That's nonsense, right? So please do come. 
and bring a friend with you if possible, if they can take, a, take some time out because they might realize, ah, maybe this is the path for me. So bring, bring someone along if possible. Don't force them. If they like, bring them along. Because that one event might open their eyes. Sometimes it's events like that. You know, people see that and go, have you read oh, you know, these stories about the Arahants? And if you read their stories, uh, whenever they resolved to become uh, a chief disciple or, or a disciple of some sort, it's always been where either the Buddha bestows, you know, titles to his disciples or where they've witnessed, you know, uh, an ordination ceremony or something like that. So we create an opportunity, so might as well give someone a chance. But this is especially for our online listeners and viewers from across the globe. So we welcome you all to join the event. But please do register. There's a link in the description. Click on that and you will receive a link to watch it. For the rest of you, just turn up on the day. Okay. Right. So on that note, let's conclude and transfer the merits that we have all acquired throughout the day. Let us take a moment then to transfer the merits that we have all acquired by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the Noble Triple Gem chanting period, listening to the Dhamma, and engaging in various meritorious deeds today. First and foremost, let us remind ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in receipt of the Lord Buddha's teaching, and with immense gratitude, let us transfer these merits to the bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, upasakas and upasikas, who since time immemorial have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the Buddha, and passed it down through the noble, to the generations of the noble lineage in the form of the Tripitaka, which is thankfully available to us today to study, understand, and comprehend the Dhamma. Let us transfer the merits we have all acquired to all members of the Mahasangha, present throughout the world, including the chief prelates of all of the chapters who have dedicated their lives to the noble path and have committed themselves towards the betterment of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries who have always been by your side through thick and thin, come rain or shine. Let us transfer these merits to Guru Swami Nuhanse, as well as all the teachers resident at the monastery, and the Anagarika and Anagarika communities attached to the monastery. Let us take a moment to transfer these merits and express our gratitude to those who make great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha, be that by transliterating these talks, sharing them out with others, or inviting others to join them, and may through the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plains, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain, may through the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us chance the merits we have acquired to our devotees, friends of the monastery, who for the sake of merits continue to sustain the Mahasangha. This includes everyone from those of you who have contributed to the construction of the monastery, to those of you who provide the Mahasangha with shelter, arms, robes, and medicines, as well as those who have passed on their know-how and continue to, continue to extend their well wishes. May through the power of these merits they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us take a moment to transfer merits to our mothers, fathers, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, nephews and nieces, our elders, friends and acquaintances, employers and employees, and to all those who have helped, supported and assisted us in any way, shape or form. By the power of these merits, may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. 
Let us take a moment to transfer merits to the devas, brahmas, spirits and demons, primarily the Sakadeva, as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect and fulfill the Samadha Sasana. Let us transfer merits to our guardian deities who keep a watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way. And may, through the power of these merits, they prosper in divine power and wisdom. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Let us take a moment to transfer merits to the to, the, to our ancestors who have predeceased us, and to all those who have been families, friends, and acquaintances in this long journey of Sansara, and to those who have helped, supported, and assisted us along the way. Let us transfer merits to the members of the armed forces, as well as the police force, who have sacrificed their lives to protect the peace and harmony of our nation. May all those who have lost their lives in the wars be their friend or foe, rejoice in the merits we have acquired today. Let us transfer merits to all those who have lost their lives in natural calamities, such as tsunamis and earthquakes, landslides, pandemics, forest fires, blizzards, and so on. Reminding ourselves that among them will be those who have been friends and family to us in this journey of sansara. Let us take a moment to transfer the merits we have acquired. May to the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plains, they redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Let us all resolve that may to the power and blessings of all the merits we have acquired throughout the day, we be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of arahants on this blessed land. And finally, may by the power of all the merits we have acquired throughout the day, you and I, and everyone who's helped make this program a success, by thought, speech, or mind, be able to attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. May they become an Arahat Nuhanse or an Arahat Nuhanse in the era of the Gautam Supreme Buddha itself. Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu. May the blessings of the Noble Triple Gem be with you all. And the members of the Mahasangha will now transfer their blessings to you. Raga Sukita Tara Vetma Nibbana Parana Sukhayan Sukita Tara Vetma Mamada Sialu Loka Sialu Satnayo Nibbana Parana Sukhayan Sukita Tara Vetna Nibbana Parana Sukhayan Sukita Tara Vetna Nibbana Parana Sukhayan Sukita Tara Vetna Raga Gini Niveva Dvesha Gini Niveva Moha Gini Niveva Nivansapaladeva Nivansapaladeva Nivan Sapa Ladeva 
තුන්රන්ගේ සූසියනන්ත මහා ගුණ බලෙන් සීල ලෝක සීල සත්‍යෝම නිබ්බාන පරම සුඛයෙන් සුඛිත තර වෙත්වා සාදු සාදු සාදු